What's going on? You are listening to Talk About Gay Sex. I'm with my co-host, Jeremy Ross Lopez. How you hey, doing? how's it going? Good, good. We are uptown today, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really excited, though, because we are joined by our special guest, Dr. Jessica Jessman. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Just want to read a little bit about you. Um, Dr. Jessman is an infectious disease specialist and public health professional with extensive expertise in developing and strengthening HIV care and treatment programs in resource-limited settings. Dr. Jessman is the Senior Technical Director at ICAP and oversees all technical assistance, clinical and training, monitor and evaluation, and health systems strengthening activities. Um, Dr. Jessman is an Associate Professor of Medicine in Epidemiology at Columbia University, which we are right around here, has over two decades of experience as a leading researcher on domestic and international HIV prevention with a focus on HIV incidence studies, clinical trials of vaginal microbicides and other investigational agents for HIV prevention and impact assessments of community-based combination HIV prevention interventions. And she also has work um, in the sub-Sahara Africa. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, welcome and thanks Thank for doing you. this. Um, first of all, tell me a little bit about, um, I think my first question is, how did you even get into this work of studying HIV and, and, and fo- your focus on this? Well, I um, did my um, medical school uh, training and my residency training during the time that the HIV epidemic was really just breaking out onto the scene. And so I the think 80s? In the 80s, I was, I was very affected by that. Um, and I think I like the specialty of infectious diseases as a whole, and I felt that HIV was a particularly compelling Um, aspect of infectious diseases. Um, So I think that's a big part of how I got to where I am now. Got it. And you do a lot of work right now also in Africa. Yes. Just kind of briefly tell us about that. Um, Well, uh, a good deal of my um, attention right now is uh, conducting HIV-focused household surveys that get at a nationally representative group of people in about a dozen countries. These are typically surveys with, let's say, 30,000 people in them. Um, And from that, we get a measure of how many people in that country are living with HIV, how many have newly acquired infections, and how many have their um, infection under control or are undetectable. And these kinds of measures of the epidemic are a way to really have a report card so all each country can see how well they're doing in handling their HIV epidemic. And at the same time, it gives, uh, if you will, um, a blueprint that helps each country decide what do they need to do, let's say, over the next 10 years in order to make progress towards eliminating HIV. Cool. I think um, the whole thing about studies in general, and I want to get into what you're currently working on that's a, of particular interest to us um, as gay men, but in studies in general, I think a lot of people are, are, I didn't really understand that, you know, it really takes a community and it takes people like Jeremy, who's in a study with NYU, to really kind of step up to the plate. I mean, people need to kind of, we're sort of the people that doctors like Dr. Justin need to look at, right? And Mm -hmm. I don't know that everyone always understands that 
these studies or we think, you know, it's scary or why would I want to be that? But Mm -hmm. the only way advances, I think, are going to happen is when, you know, communities step up. I also think what she said was uh, particularly interesting that you you wanted to focus on infectious disease and really kind of, I mean, not solve it yet, but get to the bottom of what's going on and at the time what started uh, back in the 80s and... Uh, just continues today and bettering us every day. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So kind of jumping right in there, I know one of your studies um, you're working on right now is an injectable prep, and Jeremy has talked extensively on the show about um, Truvada is what you Mm -hmm. take, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you have to take it every day. You've been Mm -hmm. taking it for how long? Uh, Two and a half years now. And then you've... I think you, I've asked you on the show, or just in general, um, what side effects you had, and you maybe had a few early on. I actually didn't have any, but I've heard just uh, small things like nausea or just like heartburn, but I haven't had any from the beginning to right. now. Exactly. Um, so what can you tell us about, and how long has this injectable prep <clears throat> been around, and how does it differ from, say, the, the, what Jeremy's taking, Truvada? Sure. And if it's okay, I'm going to just back up a little bit. Um, Since before we were talking about the surveys that I've been working on in Africa, I have also been working on HIV prevention trials in the South Bronx now for about um, two decades. And initially, um, most of our work focused on looking at vaginal microbicides. And you mentioned that at the beginning. Um, And microbicides are, you know, gels or creams that you would insert into the vagina um, with the hope that it would help prevent HIV. And it's really PrEP. It is PrEP. Wow. It's just, In a different form? It's just PrEP a that is form. not a pill. It's, <laughs> okay. it's gel um, that's applied in the vagina. There are also studies of rectal microbicides. And I was going to say like a lubricant. So, for so <laughs> together, the, the medical term for that is topical. It means it goes on the surface. Um, but it's still PrEP. And now at our site in the Bronx, the Bronx Prevention Center, we have shifted over to do the studies that we're looking at right now um, in men who have sex with men um, and injectable PrEP and then infusions. We did do a study of injectable PrEP in women um, last year. Um, And I think in talking about the subject of injectables, it's really um, useful to highlight Jeremy, what you said that, you know, Truvada is something you have to take every day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have trouble remembering to take to something that would be me. That would every be me. day. <laughs> I, I get on my vitamin kick and I'm good for like the first week. And then I'm like, oh, darn, I forgot to take it. And it is a commitment. I mean, and so I think. Yeah. Uh, but you could forget a vitamin and no big deal. Yeah. This I is mean, your. I mean, this, I, I believe I'm not. A hundred percent sure, but if you're off of it for three days, I think that that's where you put yourself at risk. Yeah, I then believe. Your levels really go and down. so you have to be on it for seven days in a row for it to kick into your system, uh, like again. Right. And so I really never miss it because I just keep it by the edge of my bed in a pill case that's labeled by day, and then I just every time I step out of bed, I usually have a glass of water and I just take it, and so I don't really forget. And if I travel, I just take it with me. So you have but, a great system, but. A lot of people have trouble with that. Problems. And I think it's particularly true when you're taking a pill for prevention mm-hmm. because you feel healthy. You don't remember that, you know, it's important. I think people who've been ill, and I've really certainly seen this with people 
who have had HIV and severe HIV, you know, once they've been through that, they, they don't forget. And yeah. they are highly motivated to, to take their medication because they've been sick or they're very afraid of getting sick and, and they want to feel it. better. But <clears throat> when you take something for prevention, it's much harder to remember. And there are several research studies that really laid this out with all kinds of numbers to explain, particularly younger people, and a number of the studies in Africa found that younger women had a lot of problems taking a pill every day. And what happened then among, I'd say, the research community was this realization that we have to have options. And an important option would be something like an injection that you know, you'd know you only need every two or three months. <clears throat> and there's already a great model for that. There's an injectable form of birth control called Depo-Provera, and women get the injection every three months. Cool. And then they're protected from getting pregnant, and they don't have to remember to take, let's mm-hmm. say, a birth control pill every day. Right. So I think people said, look, you know, the Depo-Provera injection works. Why not have an HIV medication as an injectable that would be um, good for PrEP? So the study that we did that I mentioned before among women was looking at injectable real pivarine um, every two months. And we were doing a safety study, um, And now the studies that we're conducting um, in the Bronx are safety and efficacy. So the questions are, is it safe and does it work? Mm -hmm. Right. And so we have one study of an injectable agent. Um, The agent is called cabotegravir, which does exist as a pill that people with HIV can take. So we already have, it already has a track record. Um, but now it's been formulated into a liquid that can be injected um, and given um, every two months. And that is the, what's Solution, being studied yeah. to say, so <laughs> we think it's safe from some of the earlier smaller studies. Now we're going to scale it up and do a much bigger study of cabotegravir and study people who are at risk of acquiring HIV and mm-hmm. see if it actually protects them. So some of the people in the group will get cabotegravir injections, and the other people in the study will get what's called placebo, placebo right. um, which is not going to have nothing. any activity. Yeah, right. right, nothing. It's, it's, I mean, it, it has to look like the cabotegravir sure. so that nobody knows who's getting it. Right. The, the word that I can't say, cabotegravir. <laughs> that one. Um, is that the, the, the thing that would be like a prep basically or is that yes basically yeah. okay no that, that that's it's like truvada mm-hmm. but you don't have to take it every day you'd get it as an injection and then the um the medication would stay in, stays your, system. in your system and for then after two, months, three months, after two months two or three right mm-hmm. and then you would get another injection so so it's when you're prep. when you're doing something like that obviously it's a higher dosage of because you're taking a pill every day it's obviously divided out um I'm assuming it's a high dosage of this medicine. All at once, one yeah. time. Yeah, how, um, in your early studies, how does that potentially have any effects of putting that amount at one time into your system? Well, um, usually what, um, what we try to do is formulate it in a way that it just lasts a long time. It's not so much that you have to take a huge quantity at the beginning, but you want something that's long-acting, um, more than super high dose at the beginning. Okay. But like a uh, a shot, is it a painful uh, 
type of injection or that, yeah. yeah that's what I, I was wondering just because of the fact that I take this pill 30 days if this lasts 60 days and it's uh, formulated into a liquid what how how does the injection go is it like a really painful injection is it quick and easy um well that's also part of the study is to okay. find out what people think of the injections okay. <clears throat> um now you know there can be, and we have sort of a jargon term for it, injection site reactions mm -hmm. where, you know, well, look, when you get the flu shot, right. you get an injection yes. site reaction. It's mm -hmm. a little sore, might be a little red, might be a little swollen. And then after a couple of days, it settles back down. Mm -hmm. right. Kind of more like a minor nuisance mm -hmm. than exactly. anything. Um, but I think very much in these injectable prep studies, one of the um, outcomes that we're trying to understand is, you know, well, what proportion of people get an injection site reaction is it like all of them or just a very a small few. number and is it <clears> a very minor one or is it a very major injection site reaction so we're working on okay. getting the Bettering information that, yeah. to understand <clears> that and then some of it also is um i'll say a little bit in your head you know needles seem of scary course, yes. yeah. right? right and i think with our last study the one the injectable study in women what um, I what I, what happened was I think a lot of the women in the beginning were afraid, and then they discovered that the injections were not that bad, mm -hmm. uh, right? And they didn't mind, and they came back, and they said <clears> if they knew that it actually would protect them from HIV, they would definitely consider the amount using of pain it. that you feel is right. worth. And the then you also don't <clears throat> put yourself at the risk of forgetting to take anything right. because exactly. it's in your system. That's exactly. the part I, I would, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. That works for people that would maybe be forgetful. Right. Because I've also had girlfriends uh, that have been on birth control before and actually got pregnant on birth control from forgetting to right. take it. Right. Just casually not remembering right. that they have to take that pill every day. Right. So, so you know just what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Is there a period that um, I thought I was reading somewhere like almost a loading phase of where you'd have to take the pill first and then start the... <clears throat> So we do have what we call the run-in phase. Run-in phase, yeah. Um, Loading phase is such a workout <laughs> thing that my trainer tells me all the time. But. And the reason we do that, actually, is more of a safety check. Um, we want to let people have the experience of having the cabotegravir in their system for about a month to make sure they don't have any bad reactions to it. Right. And if they do, it's very easy to stop the pill. Whereas if you've had the injection and you have a bad reaction... You do yeah. have the drug in your system for two months. Um, yeah. For two months. Yeah. So I think everybody feels more comfortable with the idea of that kind of safety check. Right. Um, and, and I think the other thing that um, the run-in period does, and this now I'm speaking from the point of view of the researcher, is I think it allows the participant to really have a, a test period and kind of say, do I really want to be in this research this. study? Do yeah. I really want to be it coming in yes. to do study visits before I get an injection? It, it's it's we're not trying to weed people out. No. I mean, we've enrolled them and we are it takes in, time. in for the commitment. Yeah, but I think it's also just a, got an added benefit. But really, the primary purpose is that safety check. Mm -hmm. Got it. And currently, you're doing this in the Bronx. You said it's the yes. There there are many sites um, involved in in the um, injectable cabotegravir study. Um, and there's also, I'll call it sort of a sister version of the cabotegravir study for women in Africa. So we always refer to these studies by numbers, um, which is not really helpful. <laughs> um, and 
I can use the number. Sure, if you use the number. <laughs> so HBTN 083 is the study for men who have sex with men in the Americas. Okay. So it's in North America and South America. And then 084 um, is really basically um, the same study, but it's for women um, in the sub-Saharan African setting because they are the group in Africa who have the highest rates of HIV infections. I can imagine. So, Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's really, mm -hmm. you know, the epidemic is different in different places. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I think it's By great location and that the studies, you know, really adapted and has one version for the women in southern Africa and then one version for the men in the Americas. But it's really, it's the same... Um, drug and the same study design. Cool, cool. Before we get on to your other study that I wanted to talk about today, um, I'm just curious on your thoughts as a MD and all your research is, you know, as gay men um, in the community, we, we, we hear people that are on PrEP. And I'm just curious to know from an actual MD, how is it meant to be taken in terms of practices? Are you meant to take something like a Truvada or an injectable and still practice safe practices, meaning condom usage or, you know, just to be blunt, there's a lot of people that in the community, you know, think it's a license just to, and maybe that's okay to, you know, have sex with no protection. And I would just want to know what your thoughts are. Though. So um, as an HIV specialist and an infectious disease specialist, what... <laughs> I say is, you know, there's more than HIV out there. Right. There's syphilis. There's gonorrhea. There's chlamydia. And aren't chlamydia. those rates going up? Have the, you noticed? Particularly, there's been a lot of syphilis. Um, and I think that condoms are not just for HIV. Condoms are for protection against um, a wide range of sexually transmitted infections. So, you know, usually the um, conversation about PrEP is it's, most suitable for somebody who is in a period of higher risk, or I think I've heard the phrase, a season of risk. Right. Um, I think for somebody who is in a steady relationship that's monogamous and mm -hmm. has a lot of confidence that you know both sides sure. are being monogamous, I think then it's less critical to be on PrEP. And mm -hmm. a lot of people, a lot of my colleagues will say, we're not really thinking that somebody should be on PrEP for 50 years. Mm -hmm. We're thinking that they should be on PrEP Shorter during term, kind of. sort of the periods <clears throat> in their life when they are going to be at higher risk and use it then for protection. Um, but it, it's not, nobody's saying, oh, we know that it's safe for 50 mm -hmm. years. The studies show that right. it's safe for a couple of years. But still going back to your question, if you... If somebody thinks that they might be exposed to other sexually transmitted infections because they're with partners that they don't know that well, or their partner is with other partners, then you know the best thing to do is use a condom and avoid, you know, Idiot. syphilis and gonorrhea and mm -hmm. chlamydia and and all of these other sexually transmitted infections. Right, right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, the other thing I was curious is I know when you're on. Isn't it true, Jeremy, when you're, don't you have your blood work checked periodically yeah, for Yeah, so I liver? mean, to get a new prescription, you have to test negative, and you get your liver and uh, kidneys tested as right. well, just to make right. sure that nothing's affected by the, the dosage and mm -hmm. amount of medication that you take. 
I'd be curious with an injectable, is it the same procedure? Um, because it, does it make a difference if it's pill form or injectable? Do you still need your blood work to test your organs <clears throat> if they're... So let's remember that there are no approved injectable PrEP agents mm-hmm. out there. As of right now. The only thing Got that's it. out there is investigational. And so mm-hmm. whatever, when if somebody's using injectable PrEP, they're in a study and they're getting their liver enzymes and their kidney function checked. And I think at regularly. the end, uh, yes, regularly. <clears throat> and at the once the studies are finished, then everybody will look at the data and say, okay, we can see that this injectable prep is so safe. Probably the um, person only needs to get, let's say, liver and kidney function checked once a year. Mm-hmm. Or this one is a little more edgy, <clears throat> and really they should get it checked every two months. And it, it you know, the yeah. the research team is going to look at how many people in the study experienced side effects. So the patterns of who's right. a part of the study. So we don't know yet how often... Right. For we don't know yet if injectable PrEP is going to be proven to be safe and effective. And then if it is, we don't know yet how much monitoring will be recommended once it's approved. So it's still experimental. Got it. And finally, on this um, note, how far along are you in this um, this this process? In, in the study? Yeah, the study. Still pretty early. Okay. Um, and the study is designed to run for like four years. So Got this it. is this is a the beginning. A, a long story. Got it. Um, Got it. We're not going to have an answer like you know by January or something like that. Got not it. not for cabotography. Um, there are results coming out for other um, injectables, and we were talking before. Um, in two weeks, there's um, the International AIDS Society conference yes, in Paris. In you Paris, said. and I'm expecting that there will be some news on injectable prep coming out of the Paris meeting. So you should keep an eye out I for will. that. Absolutely. Um, and then the other study that yes. that we're doing at the Bronx Prevention Center and and other site other other groups, um, other research offices that are part of the same HIV prevention trials network, which is an NIH-funded network of of researchers, um, is a study that's quite different. It's um, looking at infusions of antibody. So it's not a drug. Mm -hmm. It's the actual HIV antibody, basically, or the... Well, the there, isn't, that can cause... there isn't one actual HIV antibody, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think, part of the reason Why it's we're so... this far along into the epidemic and we still don't really have right. a cure, solved it. Yeah. Right? And right. we haven't solved it. There isn't, like, one a antibody. Of how to... Right? The way there is, let's say, for rabies. If you get sure. a rabies exposure, you can get a rabies shot and, and it's killed you're, and... you're done. And yeah. it's simple, um, comparatively. So for HIV, the antibody response is, like... <clears throat> Very, I'll just, I'm waving my hands, broad. <laughs> like, there are a lot of different kind of antibodies right. that get made, and it, it, for a long time it wasn't clear that any of them were so really effective. But um, immunologists have been doing research and trying to figure out, of the antibodies that people do make, which ones have more versus less activity, and they were able to tease out the sort of characteristics of the antibodies that seem to do best, and then synthesize an antibody that has activity against a wide range of different types of HIV, and that is called a broadly neutralizing monoclonal 
antibodies. Oh my goodness. <laughs> a BNAB. A BNAB. A BNAB. Okay. So um, HPTN085 um, is the number for uh, the study that is also called um, AMP. And AMP stands for Antibody Mediated Prevention. And in AMP, um, People who are eligible and who've given consent and enrolled in the study are getting infusions every eight weeks of this broadly neutralizing monoclonal antibody um, to protect them from HIV while they're being if they're having sex and being exposed to HIV. So in a way, it's like prep. But it's also not like PrEP because it's not an antiviral medication the way Truvada is, mm -hmm. or if you remember, you know, AZT and right. those types of things. It's it's not an antiviral. Um, it's an antibody. So it's a whole new concept. Is it, is it essentially if, for example, the person had sexual relations with somebody and they potentially had the HIV virus? It would block it. Lock it. It would block it. Exactly. And not let it replicate to right. other s cells, I guess. Right. So exactly. that is the similarity of it's teaching your body to ward it off. It doesn't teach your body. Okay. That's why you have to get the injection every eight weeks. It it only lasts and then it wears off and it doesn't teach your body. So, so it, as long as it's in your system, like okay. A vaccine teaches your body, mm -hmm. but this one is not a vaccine. Okay. It, it's what we would call passive immunization. Okay. Um, with again, the, the <clears throat> best metaphor that I would think of is rabies. If you get mm -hmm. exposed to rabies, you actually get rabies antibodies to protect you right away, and you then do get the vaccine shot. And so you're protected from that. Antibot by the antibodies while your body is reacting to the vaccine, and this is all really complicated. So if I've lost you, no, no, no I understand. I, I think I understand. Yeah, um, is this study relatively new that yes. your work? I was going to say, yes, is um, it's, it's been running for now about a year. Okay, um, and this one also is going to run for um, probably about three years, um, and. Would you say that this one was a little bit harder to recruit um, people just because <laughs> we have other people and we'll bring you in too, but um, I would just think because um, PrEP, which is what we hear all the time, we hear there's so much, you know, banners and everyone's, you know, PrEP whores t-shirts. And so this one, really? I think, yeah. And so this one, I feel... Would be more appealing or less appealing? Less, because okay. I think of you know, the complication of understanding it first and foremost, but then... I would say maybe 50-50, to be honest. Maybe. I mean, I, re I think it would really depend on the person because there are so many people that either are uneducated or just don't want to take anything and be promiscuous, and then there are people that don't really know about it. And also, uh, I think for the people that would be forgetful, it would be very helpful. And like me, when I joined the study at 18, I was interested in helping other people so that was ultimately the reason why I did it in general was because I I would like to be part of statistics to help uh, and you had future a mom generations. That was very yeah, and my mom educated and, herself with yeah. sex and just gay sex and what prep was and just all of that. But in general, I think it would be a fifty fifty in my opinion hmm. to because it I mean it's a scary thing, but it's also you're helping other people at the end of the day. Right. 
future generations. Um, I, I don't know if we covered the potential side effects. We didn't on this one, so yeah. Right. So, um, you know, I think when we were talking about the injectable, we were concerned about the um, injection site reactions. Beyond the injection site reactions, the, um, the drug, cabotegravir, at least as, um, as a pill when it's used for um, HIV infection, mm-hmm. it's pretty clean, generally. Okay. There always are going to be a small number of people who might experience um, some problems. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the concerns is that um, people might, people who've had problems with seizures might have... Um, you know, a little more of a chance of having another seizure, so we're not enrolling people with a seizure history right. into the study. But all in all, mm-hmm. cabotegravir, which comes from the um, integrase inhibitor class, is generally um, pretty well tolerated. Uh, for AMP, the, um, the monoclonal antibody, uh, there it's an intravenous infusion, so it's not... Um, an injection, mm-hmm. but an intravenous line is inserted and it takes about 30 minutes to run the monoclonal antibody in through the vein, um, which is of course diluted in um, like normal saline. Um, and, you know, there were concerns that people might have an allergic reaction to the antibodies, but actually, at least so far, um, most of the sites have been saying that the infusion has been really well tolerated. So all of the things we were worried about mm-hmm. seem to have not been happening, but we're not done with the study yet. Yeah. So and then that would you would have to go back um, every eight weeks every eight for weeks. another infusion. Got right. it. Right. right. But so. you're part of the study at that point. But you're you part get of your the reminders. Study. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. working with you and right. And I think with the AMP study, a big part of it is just understanding: does this concept work of giving people? Antibodies, because if it does, maybe then you know people can sort of go back to the drawing board and say, "Gee, you know, an intravenous infusion." Can you imagine scaling that up in Sub-Saharan Africa? I mean, that yeah. really seems very, <laughs> very difficult to yes. do. Yeah. But maybe there would be another way to do it. Maybe it would shed light on how to develop a vaccine. So I think it's it's what would be called um, a proof of concept. Got it. Got it. Well, all very exciting. All your work is very exciting. Um, I think that's. Uh, I think we got it here. Thanks Thank for you giving so us all this knowledge, for enlightening sure. us, sure, and sure. Um, and have a great time at the at the conference coming up too. Okay. Thank you so much. Do. Cool. Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from two community education and outreach coordinators who are working with Dr. Jessman. But for now, let's listen to a short message from our affiliate sponsor, Fort Trough. Hey, Steve, when was the last time you were out and you really wanted to go home with that guy, but you realized you weren't prepared? And you know what I mean by prepared? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, actually, last Saturday. I, that's right. <laughs> I think you told me that. Last Saturday, it was like, you know, this very hot man, and he, he wanted he wanted to fool around in a way that I wasn't prepared to fool around with. And, of course, I didn't have anything with me to. Well, thanks you know. to our buddies over at Fort Trop. There's a new quickie fix to that, Carpenter. It's called the Bottle Blaster. It attaches to any water bottle mm-hmm. or Coke can. It comes with two different size nozzles, depending on the water bottle. It fits most of them. You That's simply good. get that water bottle, attach it to one of these, the nozzle onto that, and mm-hmm. it comes with a silicon tube. And so you run off to the bathroom, cleanse away as many times as you need to, 
put it back in its own sanitary kit, and you are going home with that boy. You could have gone home last week, Carpenter. Oh, sure, but I didn't have it. Of course, you know, I would probably accidentally put it on, you know, a carbonated beverage or something. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Be which, sure which might work a little differently. But <laughs> exactly. Make sure you put water in that. Yes. So be sure and go to talkaboutgaysex.com and look for the link Fort Trough and order the bottle blaster. It's Talk About Gay Sex and click on Fort Trough. So, Jeremy, we're also joined by two outreach uh, specialists. Um, we're joined by Joindy Swing B. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Yeah, you can move that microphone up a little bit if you need. Uh, he's the community outreach coordinator that works with Dr. Uh, Jessica Jessman. And we also have Kevin Mines with us. Kevin, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Cool, cool. So, you know, we talked so much with Jessica, uh, Dr. Jessman, about her work and her amazing work that she's doing. Um, but I know it never, it doesn't happen without the outreach programs. And we were, Jeremy and I were talking about how, you know, we know about PrEP and certainly as gay men in the community, you hear so much about PrEP and I'm on PrEP, I, you know, I can yeah. do this and that. But you probably have one of the hardest jobs, both of you actually, to get the word out. Yeah. I mean, talk a little bit about what you do and, and that whole process. So our job is to um, really go out there in the communities to speak to um, the population, which is men who have sex with men or transgender individuals, whether you're a trans man or a trans woman who have sex with men, um, to speak with them um, and educate them about PrEP educate them about the studies, which is the AMP study and the Give Prep a Shot study that Jessica was talking about, um, and to um, go out there and build relationships with other organizations to educate the other organizations. So um, then they can use their so they population. Can use their um, platform or their populations to help bring them on study. Um, in addition to when they are on study, um, you need somebody to um, retain them in the study meaning um, asking them questions or um, um, doing whatever you have to do to retain them in the study to make sure that, um, to reaffirm them that there will be, everything is fine. And, right, um, and that they stay with you they so stay you can with complete the study. To complete the study in its entirety because it, it is a, a, um, a long study. Um, it is not a long study, but um, um, it seems like a long study until you get into the study, it goes fast, but it's two, uh, under two years um, from one study and over five years for the other study. So, um, And the, currently this is in uh, the Bronx? The Bronx Prevention Center, yeah. Okay, got it. And so what's been your experience um, when you are going out into these communities and looking for people to be a part of these studies? Um, what's been some of your guys' experiences on, as their fear-based, particularly on, say, like, um, the AMP or things that are a little bit not highly publicized? Well, in my experiences, I've I found people to be excited about it. Oh, great. Um, I think the idea of what the study is all about, um, an antibody that neutralizes, that's fighting against HIV, or at least the education of it and the science of it, has really intrigued a lot of young people. And I've seen a lot of young people jump on board for that reason. And I, I heard that's you amazing. mention. I heard you mention earlier, Jeremy, that you know to be a part of something that's going to help in the future. I think a lot of people are really excited about that aspect of the study. Nice. Yeah. 
And then you have some people who's like, what the hell? (laughs) You're going to put what in me? Are you you guys going to give me HIV? (laughs) Well, Um, I think that particularly on the amp, and and then obviously you're having it intravenously put um, in you. They're wondering, like, oh, what what are you injecting me with? And and there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there. (laughs) Um, Is the government, that you guys are a part of the government. Oh, God. Did Trump have a part in this? Yes. (laughs) So it's really really, um, educating the community. Yes. Um, and uh, dispelling any myths that they have and right. really educating them, um, letting them know that, no, you cannot get HIV from um, this study. We're not in the business to giving you HIV. We're in the business for uh, to prevent HIV. Uh, we're in the business to keep to you HIV yeah. uh, negative and to, to better the community, to educate yeah. the community. Yeah. Well, that, that's why I said at the beginning, I think you, have, you two have the, probably the toughest job of... Finding these, assuring them, letting yeah. them know that you this isn't a conspiracy. It's not easy um, uh, because first you need to let them know and confirm with them that you're a legit company. Like we're working <laughs> under Columbia University. Yeah, yeah. We're not anybody off just the internet. Around, just yeah. walking around handing um, people right. things. Um, whether that's wearing out shirts yeah. or coming with a business card. Um, but really educating the community um, about uh, the different services that we, we offer. And then what's the level of, like, once you have, you know, somebody you found, somebody, what's the level or percentage in your mind that stick with you versus, you know, I'm sure there's those that, you know, they start off and then, you and know, they fall off. you lose they them, but off. you need so many of these people for, you know, and you invest time in people. And too. money. And, and money, <laughs> yes. Let's not forget that. And money. Yeah. So, yes, um, I think with um, any study, any large study, sure. uh, there, there are expected people to drop off um, the study because people have their own personal lives and, right. and nothing, people and, are move yeah. and yeah. things of that na- nature. Flakiness. Yes. <laughs> so um, we do ask questions. Like okay. um, we, there's a whole pre-screening process sure. um, that you have to go through before joining the study. And we ask you questions like, where do you live? Are you planning on moving anytime soon? Yeah. Um, um, we uh, um, are straightforward with them, letting them know how long the study is. And um, if there are any ways for us to accommodate them to stay on study um, right. where we can help, uh, we definitely accommodate. But yes, I think with any study, there's people who drop off um, study. But so far, we have a 99% um, retention rate wow, at excellent. the Bronx Prevention Center. Uh, we had a participant, unfortunately, who moved to Florida. Um, so that happens. So yeah. that happens. Right. However, if there is a um, if there is a a uh, a site in um, let's say they moved to uh, Philadelphia and right. there's a site that's doing the same exact work. Um, they won't go completely lost. Um, mm-hmm. We could uh, forward them or uh, transfer them to that site cool. as well. Yeah. Where would are there other studies of the uh, injectable prep going on in the city? I know you guys are working with in the Bronx, yes. but do you know of others? Um, I'm just curious to know. Is this like studies happening around the country or in other parts of New York? Good question. Um, there, this this is an international study. Okay. Um, uh, the study is being done in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, I believe Switzerland, um, South America, um, and. A th- I think 18 uh, cities here in oh, in, in America. Um, but in New York, four sites are doing it. So we are the only site in the Bronx um, that is doing it. Um, and then the other sites are in lower Manhattan um, and Harlem. 
Got it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Are you yeah. still looking for people in case we want to give a shout out to people visiting? Oh, yes. yes. Where should they go? What, who should yes. they ask for? Definitely. So we're located um, in the Bronx Prevention Center. Okay. Um, we're between Melrose and Cortland on 158th Street. Um, and um, they could call or uh, Google us. We're the Bronx Prevention Center. Or um, you call us. Um, to set up an appointment. Set up an appointment. Um, yeah. So when they call, the process is that either Kevin or I... Oh, cool. Would um, would pre-screen them on the phone just to see if they're eligible. Right. Um, and if they're eligible, we'll bring them to the site um, to um, officially screen for the study. Cool. And they actually also get a stipend for for screening um, on um, for screening onto the study as well. That's what happens with the study that I joined at eighteen. So mm -hmm. they brought they asked a series of questions where they they ask like about your family background or and what are your sexual practices right yeah where do you inhabit what neighborhoods you hang out and just the certain questions and then if you qualify then like he said you set up an appointment you go in person and they like pay you to just join the study and become a part of it and then mm -hmm. that's i think what their job would be to keep people interested right. in staying a part of it and of course people will fall off but so far, it sounds like it's worked for yeah. you guys. And then, what's the um, like the parameters that you're looking for in terms of like age range? Obviously, living in the Bronx, but um, so participants do not uh, particularly have to live in the Bronx. Okay. They could live anywhere of the five. But we even have oh, someone have who come. Yeah, we even have somebody who <laughs> drives the down. Rest of the <laughs> <laughs> we ever have somebody who even drives down for their apartment from Connecticut. Um, okay. So you don't necessarily have to be in the Bronx. So that Florida person could sue so, fly in if they wanted. If they if they had the coins to do so. Yeah, right. right. Um, the for one study, which is the AMP study, Jessica was talking about the right. study that they have the um, antibody. Um, mm -hmm. You have to be between the age of eighteen to fifty years old, Got it. Um, and um, a man um, or trans person who um, have sex with men. Um, obviously, there when you come in and screen, we do blood work and sure. things like that, right. which we send off to the lab just to make sure that you're healthy enough to be on study. Right. You need to be um, in some level of um, health uh, to be on study. And negative. And, and yeah. HIV negative. Yeah. You must be HIV negative to be on study. We will test for that. Right. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Yeah. And for the other study, um, there's no cap. You could be 18 um, yonder. There's no. That's the injectable. That's the injectable prep. Got it. Um, okay. 18 yonder. Um, and um, yeah, there's no age range on on that one. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, this has been so enlightening. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining. I did. Yes. Um, um, wanted to. Uh, when you said you were on prep, you didn't mm -hmm. get um, any side effects um, when you were on. No, and or, so or I minimal. started. Uh, I started it through Callan Lord when I oh, first cool. moved to New York, and I mean a few years after moving to New York, and uh, the my doctor that I had at the time said that on uh, like 95% of his patients had no side effects either. So I don't know if that was just luck or I don't, I don't really know how that works, but almost all of the people that I know personally that are on it also have had no side effects, but I don't, I don't, I don't really have a sensitive, uh, immune system. I have no allergies, knock on wood. Yeah. So like I, I didn't have any nausea, no heartburn, no indigestion, none of that. And none of my friends have either. Oh, wow. And I know at least I want to say 
four or five people directly uh, friends that are on it that haven't had any side effects either. So have you noticed any with? I must have. I was about to say I must be a part of the five percent that oh, that, okay. that, yeah. that that did. So I'm, I take prep consistently. Okay. Which one? The, the normal Truvada. The, the normal Truvada. Yeah. Okay. Prep, daily. I, I take it. I like how you said normal, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> daily. I wouldn't say daily. You try and uh, take but, it daily. But I try to take it uh, at least uh, five times a week. Maybe sometimes the injectable is a weekend. good option for you. <laughs> sometimes I sleep on the weekend, but um, I did. There there are some some startup um, side effects. Um, like your stomach cramp well my did Um, like you get some stomach pain or a nauseating feeling like you're about to uh, vomit Um, and I don't know about others but sometimes you you lose your appetite like you don't which is which is I don't mind that side effect I don't mind the side effect (laughs) you know I don't mind that side effect but um, all the side effects I will say are tolerable though they're all it's not gonna like Right. drop you to the point where you can't yeah. work tomorrow. It's tolerable um, and it only lasts for like a mine only lasts for like a month until my body got used to the medicine. Yeah. And I mean, I think for all of this, you just have to remember that you are taking something that's mm-hmm. preventative and there might be a few things mon- to listen yourself. to your body. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then to your point again, that, you know, if, if you're part of a study, you're actually doing it, helping researchers like them advance you know hopefully at it so there won't be a time that we have to so mm-hmm. you have to kind of look at it both ways if, you know, hopefully the side effects are minimal <clears throat> yeah. and tolerable definitely but, but listen to your body and then always just keep in mind that you're doing something for the greater good that's true and mm-hmm. i think a lot of people are under the impression that you have to take prep um sometime in the morning or in the afternoon or what oh, have yeah, you. i didn't know that Is yeah there, i or? take my prep right before I go to sleep because okay. I, yeah everybody I guess picks yeah. one or the other mine's in the morning is yeah. it one of those things that if you pick a time it should be the same time every day or they say that they say yeah, you're supposed should, to take it once yeah. a day every day around the same around time the same. every day yeah. I take mine at night because I, in my head if there were any side effects I wanted to go through in my sleep well, so when I get yeah. up I'm like, I like prep that. for the day yeah prep for the day what um, if you have a, you slept over someone's house? Then you gotta you have to have a travel pack. You have to have a travel pack. <laughs> yeah. you, you know to, what they yeah. make though? They make a pill case uh, keychain. Oh yeah, you've we seen should it. design if, one, if Jeremy. You're, if with you're our... carrying a whole bag, you can also carry the pill uh, in a in a keychain. Uh, so it's like just a metal screw keychain, and you yeah. can keep. One pill in it. We so need to work on are, a leather pouch. Version. Yeah, totally. Because we do yeah. accessories. We have so. our accessory line coming out. That's but nice. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, rep- we'll, we'll, we'll take some at the, at the <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, drop, we'll make sure you get them. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you. Thank you so much for having so us. So much, Jawindi and Kevin, for joining us and, and really making this real about all the research that Dr. Justin is doing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for thank having you. us. Thank, thank you. you. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Talk About Gay Sex. We will make sure and put up some of the links from today's episode on our link farm and on our site at talkaboutgaysex.com. That's talkaboutgaysex.com. And be sure and follow us on social media. It's at talkaboutgaysex on Twitter and Instagram. But be sure and join us for another new episode of Talk About Gay Sex next Tuesday. But for now, and in the meantime, continue having hot gay sex.